Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHerCon is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. It was a moron house, you know, it was added on to, you know, moron here and moron there, you know, it was kind of, a, it was a moron house. Welcome, my friend, to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. And before we get into the show in today's episode, which I know you'll get a lot of value from because we're, we stay out of all the fluffy stuff and we get straight into the good stuff of real estate investing advice, I want to give a quick shout out to today's sponsor, and that's Patch of Land. Uh, they are making this show possible and they're making tons of flipping projects possible all across the country. If you don't know about Patch of Land, then they are the number one company to go to for uh, projects that you're flipping uh, because they have all the money available right now. Um, once you get approved for your your deal and yourself as a sponsor or a borrower, um, you're going to be funded by them. And then they go raise the money through their crowdfunding platform. So you don't have to worry about all that. They'll take care of the, the money and the funding for you. You just have to worry about making sure your project's, project's a success. Uh, they've got something really cool for you. So um, if you are just learning about crowdfunding, uh, they've come up with a guide. It's called the Top 10 Crowdfunding Questions Guide. And they're all the, the questions that you might be asking yourself. And they're all the answers. They don't leave you hanging. They've got answers too. All the answers to those, those 10 crowdfunding questions. So you can go to patchofland.com forward slash best ever and get that guide. Uh, and if you think you know everything about crowdfunding, I check this guide out just in case because there are some interesting aspects that you'll learn. So go to patchofland.com forward slash best ever and get that guide. Best ever listeners, how's it going? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless and we've got a wonderfully entertaining episode coming up right now with you on the show. And if you're unfamiliar with the show or if you're a longtime listener, then let me quickly tell you. So either way, I'm going to tell you <laughs> that this show is all about getting you real estate investing advice that will move your business forward. So that's why we call it the best real estate investing advice ever. We talked to Barbara Corcoran from Shark Tank, talked to Robert Kiyosaki, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Robert Kiyosaki, CPA, Tom Wheelwright recently, um, and very much looking forward to this conversation we're about to have. And Jeff, you know what I didn't ask you before the show? I didn't ask you, how do you pronounce your last name? Rabinowitz. 
Rabinowitz. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, you heard him first. We've got Jeff Rabinowitz on the show today, and he's based in Farmington Hills, Michigan, which is very close to Detroit. He began his professional career as you and I have began our professional careers, and basically every other guest has began their professional careers as a nuclear pharmacist. <laughs> he then got his license in 2003, several years after beginning his career as a real estate investor. So first, we've we've definitely got our first nuclear pharmacist on the show, so I've, I can officially check that box. And he owns and manages a portfolio of single-family homes. He also buys building lots and shares in multifamily. I believe I read that right in your bio, but when you talk about your experience, correct me if I'm wrong, he's also funded over $2 million worth of real estate transactions as a private lender. And non-real estate related, but very interesting, he's got a big old bushy beard. When you look at his picture, he's got a, a long gray beard. It's not that great. <laughs> oh, yeah. A, lo- a long beard that I'm completely jealous of. And he's got some cool sunglasses in this picture, too, that I'm looking at on Bigger Pocket. So, with that being said, Jeff, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on? Sure. As you said, my first job out of school was as a nuclear pharmacist. And a nuclear pharmacist, uh, what they do is they, they, they prepare compounds, mostly radioactive compounds that are intravenous, they're mostly diagnostic tests. But it's, uh, I love being in it. I mean, it was, uh, it was, it was fun work. It was, uh, I love the science. I wasn't so fond about being an uh, employee of a corporation. <laughs> so uh, um, a little down, uh, way down the road, I, I actually learned other parts of pharmacy. And I, heard, um, I you know, eventually I started my own company. I, I built myself as a pharmacist relief specialist. Essentially, I started a, an employment agency and I was the only employee. So it's, uh, I, I hired myself out, and um, you know, the, the, as far as real estate, when when my my um, wife and I bought our first house, we we bought a house that was that cost well below what all the expert advisors we had said that we could afford, and uh, we were diligent about making extra payments, and we paid that uh, mortgage off early. That allowed me, to, when it came time to sell it, to sell it on a land contract. Now, uh, a land contract, um, it oftentimes, outside of Michigan, it's uh, oftentimes called a contract for deed. And um, essentially, you know, we, we, we financed the, uh, the, the, the sale to the end buyer. The real estate agent, real estate agent that um, helped me with that transaction was an investor. He had a portfolio of rental properties himself. He was highly leveraged. I mean, he was always looking for money. And he convinced me we, uh, to loan him the down payment, which was pretty significant for about four months. And he paid that off and he, we did it again. And we did, he, he, we paid that off and he came back and there was a little series of these. Eventually I, you know, and I saw what he was doing. It wasn't, it wasn't rocket science or anything. I said, I wanted a piece of the deal. And he said, no. Was this the guy who bought your house from you? The, the no, first no, house? No, from no, you? no, it was a real estate agent. That, okay. Got that, it. That, that, that was the, the investor. And uh, see, I mean, I, I saw what he was doing. I mean, again, it wasn't it wasn't rocket science. And he, he brought me this, this next deal to fund, and I was all all of a sudden an expert. And I asked him for a piece of the deal, and he turned me down flat. <laughs> and uh, so, but it's uh, which which probably the right thing to do, right? Uh, but it, um, but from that, I mean, I, I got real interested in the real estate. So I started reading about it and um, learning what I could. I waited way too long, but eventually there was a situation where. I knew somebody that was having trouble selling a house and I, I looked at it and it had a defect that was, I thought, easy to solve. 
and I bought it from them. And I, um, we, we actually bought it on a 30-year mortgage, but it was um, uh, the idea was I was going to fix it up and rent it. Well, I fixed it up and got an offer to buy it for somebody who looked at it before I bought it. Ended up selling that house in five weeks. And um, yeah, I say it was it was a thirty year mortgage. It was in retrospect, it was kind of expensive money for five weeks. But but I made some money on that, and I said, well, I'm I'm I was in. You know, I mean, this this, this was pretty cool. Um, so I bought a rental house, and um, then I bought another, and I built up a, a little portfolio. Along the way, I burned one of the uh, one of the houses down. Now, actually, I, I gave it to I, I donated that house to the to the fire department to burn down. And I'll, I'll I'll talk about that in a little bit. I'm sure you'll have some questions, but it's uh, um, that that transaction gave me a sizable um, tax deduction, and I ended up using that tax deduction to apply toward the taxes that would be owed on transferring money out of individual IRA into a Roth IRA, because that, that's normally a taxable um, investment, uh, a taxable uh, transfer. Eventually, that Roth IRA became a self-directed IRA, and I've used that. Most of the, most of the deals I've funded have been out of uh, out of that, and my fund mostly short-term rehab flip deals, and they're local. I mean, these are these are local deals in my backyard with guys I know. Don't don't contact me with uh, with deals out of state and out of the area. I'm really not interested in expanding that. This is something that I do on a, on a, when when the right deal comes and with the right people. A couple of years ago, I was um, approached to uh, participate in a in a new construction project. And what we did is we um, purchased a house in a, a very booming area of suburban Detroit, Royal Oak. And we bought that house, knocked it down, built a new spec house over the top of it. Um, we made some money on that. We did that again. And we're pretty much here. Wow. I have a lot of different directions I can go with our <laughs> conversation from nuclear pharmacy to burning houses down and tax deductions, IRAs, and uh, then also new construction. Which direction should we go? If I had a poll right now where I could instantaneously poll all the listeners, I would do that, but I don't. So I'm going to try and channel uh, the best ever listeners and, and go with the direction that's most relevant. Let's talk about the new construction, and then let's also talk about the business model or the the rationale behind burning a house down or donating it to a fire department because I've never come across anyone who's done that and you know I'm sure based on your experience and also just um, you know your, your background you had a well a well thought out reason for that so let's talk about the house first how do you get to the point where with a house that you're ready to donate it to the fire department to burn down. Well, when I bought this house, it was um, I actually bought it at an auction. It was the first real estate auction I ever went to, and I'm fairly competitive, so of course I won. <laughs> Which yeah, maybe, maybe I should, you know, but it's uh, you know, it's uh, yeah, um, but I you know, so I, I bought this house. And I knew it was functionally obsolete when when I bought it. It had four bedrooms and one bath, all on the second floor. Now that's that's not a typical house. Well, what was on the first floor? Just the living room, dining room. Living room, den. I mean, it was really it was a, there was a lot of space. It was a nice house. Um, it was probably about a seventeen hundred square foot house. Uh, fifteen hundred. Um, it was a pretty nice house, but it was it was a moron house. You know, it was added on to you know moron here and moron there. You know, it was kind of a, it was a moron house. <laughs> but it's uh, uh, but it, but it was done fairly well, and I thought that you know, there was enough room that I could solve the problem. I mean, the, the, the obvious answer would be to put an, a, another bath in there. 
But I also knew that I could rent it right away, that I didn't have to do it right away, because it was in a good neighborhood on a nice piece of ground right down the road from the schools. Um, so I rented it, and I rented it for five or six years. And um, it was an older house, so eventually it, there was a, a repair that would have been really expensive. And I said, okay, now I'm going to bring my guys in, and let's talk about you know remodeling this thing and, and, and taking care of it. Turns out that the... Um, the stairway was really narrow, so it would have been very expensive to. Um, uh, it, it, was, it was it was too narrow for code, and so anything I would have done, I would have had to address the stairway, and it, it was cost prohibitive. And at the time, my my handyman was a was a fireman, and he was he was there, and I was and I was always joking around with the guy, and I said, you know, I turned to him and said, hey, would you and buddy your buddies like to burn this thing down? And he turned to me and he looked and he said, oh yeah, this would be a good one. <laughs> Wait a I was just kidding, right? So um, turns out that firemen very rarely get to train in houses, um, and it's it's a real problem for them. So most of the time when they're training, they're 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 training in models, which are essentially sheds, uh, which they they set on fire, and they watch a lot of videos. They they do a, a lot of search and rescue stuff, but they very rarely get to train in in, in a live house, and it's a, it's a real big deal. So, you know, I pretty much decided I was going to, one of my exit plans was to, was to knock the house down and, and build new since I wasn't going to be able to remodel it. And this house had the potential of having the lot split. So, um, so I, I was going to remove the house anyway. Then. But I, I, I contacted the fire department. They were very interested in this house. It had, um, there was enough room for them to, to burn it and um, protect the other houses that were nearby. And um, so they, they were very interested. Uh, uh, before I did it, I had a conversation with my accountant. And um, she was, you know, I, I wasn't even thinking about it, but she was confident that if we did this the right way, that we could get a tax deduction out of it. Well, you know, that was appealing. So, so it's, uh, what we had to do is we had to make a formal letter that documented the, the, the donation to the fire department. And we had to go back and forth on it. The fire department wasn't happy with the first type of kind of drafts, and but we had to document that. And the other thing we needed was, was a special appraisal. It wasn't good enough to appraise the property with the house on it. We had to have a, an appraisal for the lot itself. And that's, that was actually fairly hard to do. There aren't very many appraisers that can do that because this is in a, I mean, Farmington Hills is a pretty much filled in area. There's not a whole lot of vacant lots and they don't change hands very often. So it's real hard to get comps for it. So we got that. It was an expensive appraisal, but we, but we, but we got that. I go back to the, oh, the, and, and, and of course, before we could, we could burn it, we had to, we had to disconnect all the utilities. We had to get the demo permit. And since this was going to be a work site now, we had to comply with OSHA regs. Which one of the regs was that we had to have an asbestos um, inspection. Wow, so many steps. It was involved. I mean, there, it, but but it was it, it it ended up. I mean, it was it was a good thing. And um and as I say we did this. Turned out there was only a little bit of asbestos, so we got you know um we got that cleaned up. We go to the the, the, the fire department and they they schedule the the, um, the 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 burn. I I called it a, a housewarming party, and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> And you know, they, they actually trained in it for, for several days. There were, there were five different fire crews that trained in it. They, there was a big garage. It was a farmhouse at one point. So there was a big garage that they, they, they burned it. They put it out. They, they did search and rescue. Um, and then they, the, the, the other day, they, they did it with different rooms of the house, and they burned it. And it was valuable. I say five different crews, uh, fire trainees were there about 20 guys that had never been in a fire before. And it, it's, I mean, if anybody has a chance to do this out, it's worth exploring because it, it's, um, I mean, you're really doing a community service. These guys appreciated it immensely. And then when we went to file the tax returns, we knew, you know, we were, we were looking for a pretty big uh, deduction and we, we attached the appraisal right to the return. 
and, and, the, and the donation letter. And we never heard a word from the IRS. It went right through. And you had to get the appraisal for the lot only yes. so that you could do the difference between the house appraisal and the lot and see what your end donation was? Right. And my, and my understanding is that people have done this before with just the appraisal, the, the regular MLS appraisal, and the IRS won't accept that. And again, I don't know if I was fortunate. Um, I mean, we do, and again, we, 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 we put it right on the tax return. I mean, my tax return was you know, an extra 25 pages because there was a long, I mean, there were two appraisals plus the donation letter. And again, we, you know, I, I've got to believe that part of the reason why people haven't gotten it approved is because they didn't, they didn't do it the right way. And, or maybe I was just lucky, but it went through for me. What did the fire department not agree with on the first draft of the donation letter? They, I can't remember. It was, God, I, I really can't remember what we talked about, but there were, um, it was partly the, 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 the use of it. It, it was, it was minor wording actually. Okay. Got it. Wasn't anything they, major. No, no, but, but we had to come back until we had something that, that, I mean, let's say, um, it, it, obviously it was, it was documented that it's just the house. And of course they knew that, but there were, there were a couple clauses that their lawyer didn't like. So it, it was a process, but, but again, I'm, I'm thrilled that I did it. Cause I mean, I, I wasn't sure that I was going to get the tax deduction, but I knew I was doing a pretty good thing for my community. And what'd you do with the lot once the house was burned down? Well, it still exists. <laughs> the uh, The plan was to to split the lot because uh, it, it is it is splittable uh, uh, according to the code um, and build two houses. And we had them picked out. And um, um, in fact, I've still got the prints. The problem was that in the code, this house was there, there, there's um, the sewer is not continuous in front of this house. Um, the, this this house was hooked up to sewer, but it was hooked directly in the back into a in, into a drain. And the front of the house is where the main sewer goes. And there's a gap of about four or five houses in front of the house. Well, the city will allow me to build another house and tie it in the way it was. But in their code, if I split the lot, they want uh, they they insisted that I uh, complete the, the the sewer line, which is um, about a fifty thousand dollar job. And um, I challenged it at one point. The county drain commissioner had no problem with connecting in the back. The city planner wouldn't budge. So. At the moment, I have a vacant lot that at some point I may I may build two houses or I may build one house or maybe I'll sell the lot. lot. You know, we'll, we'll see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> when, when did you burn down or when, the, <laughs> when did the fire department burn down the house? What year? This was, a, uh, it was around um, 2007 or so. So I think the statute of limitations has run in case, uh, in case the IRS is listening to this. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. So what's your time frame for figuring out what you're going to do with the lot? Because I imagine you're you're paying taxes on the lot and it's not producing any income. Yeah, but but, but the taxes aren't bad. I mean, it, it's only um, it's only around fifteen hundred bucks a year. I, I do have to keep it mowed. The problem is that when this was before, I mean, in retrospect, the city may have done me a favor. I would have been. Um, I would have had two holes right around the time that the yeah, two thousand eight. Very hard here. So I would have had. I would have had two holes built because obviously, if you're gonna, if I'm gonna do the two houses, I'm gonna build them at the same time. Right. I would have had two houses, and I would have been sitting with a bunch of stuff. I probably would have bankrupted me. So in, in retrospect, they probably did a uh, uh, did, did me a service. But the problem is that um, houses, housing prices um, were depressed, and, and of course, I also benefited for the fact that I did this before the crash. So I, it was valued before the crash, and now. If I was going to do it now, I wouldn't get as much as I did then. But it's um, prices have recovered a lot in Metro Detroit. We got hit really hard. They recovered a lot in Farmington Hills. They're not quite where I'd want them to be to build new, but we're getting close where it's going to be 
you know, a, a year or two, if this continues, I think it'll be viable and maybe even to, to do split the lot and build and, and just do the sewer and just and still do okay. What's something you've learned from your new construction project in, in Royal Oak? Well, um, it's fun. <laughs> I, mean, you, uh, um, I know more about houses than I could I ever thought I'd ever know. I mean, it's it, it's, it was phenomenal. The builder uh, that we partnered with, it was their first uh, construction project. And uh, the, the the first one that he did on his own, and and we were we were working together pretty close. And man, I I was there a lot, and he taught me he taught me how houses work. I mean, I kind of thought I knew, but boy, you really learn it when you see them going up. And the other part is that you know there's um it's a long process. I mean, you've got if you're, you you've got to expect things to go not according to plan. It's just there's things are going to come up, and you just got to deal with them. Jeff, what's your best real estate investing advice ever? me, I think every everyone should own their own business, especially every American. Once you you own a business, you control. there's an income stream that you control. You usually set yourself up for sizable tax benefits. And to me, most importantly, is, is you start thinking like an owner instead of an employee. Most of the people I know that have done well have an owner mentality. You're a Rich Dad, Poor Dad fan? No, I've never liked Mr. Kiyosaki. Um, I think he's simplistic. Um, I think he, I think he's a poor writer. Um, and, um, no, I'm not, I'm not a great fan of him at all. (laughs) I know a lot of people read his stuff and get into investing that way. And that's wonderful. Uh, He's popularized it, but I think there are much better books, uh, uh, to read than, than Rich Dad. The mentality of owning your own business and having the tax benefits or tax code work on your favor is a shared mentality of what he talks about. That's why I was curious. And yes, I, I recognize that. Um, he wasn't the first guy who came up with that. <laughs> oh no, 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 no! Just the one, just one who made it intensely popular. Yes. And, and 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 for that, you know, kudos to him. He did get a lot of people to think about it. But again, when to me, when I read those books, they're simplistic, and and I think there's a lot of there's a lot of errors in them, quite, quite frankly. But it's but again, he's you know as a starting point, you know, it's better than being an employer all your life. So more, I'm, it's great that he wrote them. <laughs> you ready for the best ever lightning round? I think so. All right, let's do it, Jeff. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. Crowdfunding. You've heard about it. Now it's time for you to learn about it. Our best ever sponsor today, Patch of Land, they're the leading expert in the crowdfunding space, and they've got all the answers to all of your crowdfunding questions. Go to patchofland.com forward slash best ever and get your copy of the top 10 answers to the top 10 crowdfunding questions. That's P-A-T-C-H-O-F-L-A-N-D dot com forward slash best ever. Jeff, what's the best ever book you've read? And I know which one it's not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. To me, it's The it's Millionaire Next Door. Uh, this was written by Thomas Stanley and William Danko around 1998, which is about when I did that land contract. And what they talk, what he does is he basically does a study of millionaires in America. And there's lots of them. And what he finds is that most people think millionaires are flashy guys all over the place. Most, most aren't. Most are fairly frugal and they, they live below their means and have just made a lot of good financial decisions on their life. And in, in America, it's not very difficult to become a millionaire. What's the best ever deal you've done? I'm going to have to say, you know, I, um, I don't hit a whole lot of home runs. In fact, uh, and, and I don't sell things very often. I still own the first uh, rental property I ever, I ever bought. You burn things down, but you don't sell them. Yeah, you know, well, that's it, 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 it's a lot more fun. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, but it's um, 
Um, the, the, I'm going to say that, that that first land contract that I did, that house I bought for, I said, I know you like numbers, so let's see. I, I bought that house for $53,000. I probably I put an addition on it that cost around $40,000. And when I went to sell it, I um, I sold it for $157,000 with $30,000 down. And that, that led to all the other deals. And it's a 30-year loan that you have with the seller or with the buyer? Well, it was a 15-year loan, but it was paid off in... Um, in about eight years because the borrower died and her estate paid me off in eight years. <laughs> and I, so it's a, you know, you know, people don't hold loans for all that long, but I actually, I actually wrote that one as a 15 year loan. What's the best ever way you like to give back? I do share most of my stories on, on bigger pockets or my, my Facebook page, damn the recession. What's your Facebook page? It's called damn the recession. Damn D A M N the recession. And that, that was that was started. And basically, I went to a seminar, and and the guy challenged the people in the room to start a page, and and said, no, oh, no, nobody's going to do it. And I said, well, I was going to I was going to prove him wrong. And that was at the that was at the the, the bottom of the recession. At the time, I didn't realize that the, the title was going to be appropriate for so long. But I've, I've kept the title um, to remind people that uh, that um, real estate cycles are are, are cyclical, and it, it actually comes from the the, the quote, "Damn the torpedoes, full speed ahead." That's what I that's what I paraphrase it. <laughs> and I just got to your page, and I see is this the new construction project with the profile picture? Or is that it looks yeah. like the house is getting torn down too? Yeah, the house with the crane there was that that was was the first new construction project. That was a that was a first house that the owner of that crane knocked down, and it was, it was a big crane. <laughs> yes, that is that is a humongous crane. What would you say is the biggest mistake you've made in real estate? I am a, a member of an LLC, a single a single member LLC that is in itself a member of another LLC that owns a condominium building in Detroit. So essentially, I own a, a very small piece of a, a condominium building. Uh, that that building's been mismanaged. The partners haven't received a payment in, in several years. It's technically not a, a loss because um, it's ongoing, but my biggest concern is that it, ex- it exposes me to a, a fairly significant liability and there's just no easy way out of it. What would you say is the best ever place to reach you? The Facebook page? Yeah. Or um, email is best for me. And again, please don't contact me with deals of fun that are out of state. I'm not, I'm not, I'm really not interested in that, but I'll, but I'll, I'll be happy to talk to anybody about the, uh, about donating the fire. But my, the real estate address is a uh, real, uh, <laughs> the, the, the email address is real estate at farmerjeff.com. And that's farmer, uh, Jeff is spelled P-H-A-R-M-E-R-J-E-F-F. Uh, <laughs> throw back to my uh, pharmacist. Oh my gosh. I love it, Jeff. And I, I've got a link on the show notes page to your Facebook page as well. So, Jeff, thank you for being on the show and sharing your advice. I see on your Facebook page you had given someone a heads up or they grouped the heads up that you, you're being interviewed on a podcast. So I just yeah. like I just <laughs> like that. <laughs> this is a first for me, Joe. And there I- you go. There you go. Well, this has been a wonderful conversation. Very entertaining, as promised, talking about the uh, house that you ended up donating the fire department first. And foremost, that, that's one of the things that stands out with this our conversation and all the different things you had to go through. It's not just, hey, here's a house. You had to get OSHA involved. You had to disconnect utilities, had to get a special appraisal, appraisal on the lot so that you knew how much that was worth versus how much the house was worth. So you determine what the deduction is with your taxes. Had to get a, had to make a formal letter that documented the donation to the fire department. Had to get rid of the asbestos. You, well, had to check for it, and then you had to get rid of a little bit of it. And then ultimately... I had to um, you know, go through the process and, and file taxes and 
ended up being a, a worthwhile venture for you and certainly something that I think we, we can all pay attention to if we get to that point and we have a, a useful reason for you know having a tax deduction of that nature. And then other, the other thing is the new construction project where you said flat out, expect things to go wrong because they will. There's so many different variables with new construction. I've been looking at it for multifamily. I have not done it, but that's what I've heard from the developers that I've spoken to as well. And uh, really, it's just about the contingencies and the experience that your team has. So thank you for being on the show and sharing your advice. And we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. This has been fun. Best ever listeners, do you remember episode 195? It's titled How to Become a Billion Dollar Developer. Um, Quite an impressive title. Well, imagine the man behind that title, Mark Massia. He's a friend of mine. I met him in New York. Oh, I met him through this show, and then we um, just really hit, hit it off in New York whenever I was living there. He has a company, Massia Development. You can check it out at M-A-S com, And it's not for everyone, but if you're interested in investments in retail and medical office, so only retail and medical office that provide stable cash flow, then you need to talk to him. Talk to Mark. You can email him directly at invest at m-a-s-c-i-a-d-e-v.com. That's invest at MessiahDev.com. He's a great guy, really accomplished. And if you're into uh, investing in retail and medical office, stable cash flowing properties, then you need to talk to him. I'm not making any commissions off of this. I just, I, I believe in what he does and I believe in him and uh, highly recommend you talk to him if that's what you're looking for.